welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. I am Steve Cox with the Rogers Lowell Chamber, joined as always by my co-host Nick Smith. Nick, we're recording on a Monday, but it's not an early morning Monday, so thank you very much for that. We actually got a you know afternoon time. I listen to my. We've had several early morning uh, recordings going on, but coffee is a wonderful thing. I I don't do. I got my Pepsi, man. I got my Pepsi, so that's what I do. There you go. There's your next sponsorship ask. See, there we go. There we go. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, we are very excited today uh, in kind of continuation of talking about workforce development, a major component of that, which is one of our last podcasts. Our major component of workforce development could not happen without the work of public education in Rogers and Northwest Arkansas. So very happy to be joined today by Dr. Jeff Perry, superintendent of Rogers Public Schools, and Dr. Jim Davis, assistant superintendent for secondary education of Rogers Public Schools. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. It's an honor being here. It's a pleasure. As always, we have a great working relationship with the Chamber, and and we're honored to be here today. Absolutely. We love working with you guys and everything that we're able to accomplish as we are literally uh, instituting generational change uh, in in our up-and-coming generations and workforce. But Nick, before we get into the topic, what's going on in the news, man? Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of great news coming on. First off, this past weekend kind of kicked off graduation season for a lot of the different schools around the area. We had Mm -hmm. U of A doing a bunch of graduations. Several of our school districts had uh, graduates walking across the stage this past weekend, so we want to send out congratulations to them. Big uh, shout-out to them. Along with that, uh, Upskill NWA saw its first round of graduates enter the healthcare workforce this past week. We uh, mentioned Upskill in our Workforce Development uh, podcast, and uh, we do a lot of work with the healthcare industry around here and know what they need, so it's great to see that program kind of paying dividends for the region. Well, we're highlighting them at the second quarter Spotlight Series, all the, the different healthcare going on in Northwest Arkansas as well. So that's just one of the programs that we've seen really kind of uh, bear fruit here just in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, We actually held the chamber, the Northwest Arkansas Job Fair this past week and saw near record participation from employers, which I think is a a sign of the work that is out there that uh, we've been doing to try and make sure that employers get uh, people there. Uh, you have a couple more stats on that, but I know we had some uh, interviews and even a couple of hires or at least callbacks yeah. directly what, on the floor there. Well, we had 96 local businesses participating, which was absolutely fantastic. We had close to 250 job seekers attend and uh, a testament to the partnership with, with Rogers Public Schools. Uh, both New Tech and Crossroads brought delegations of students and uh, talking with the teachers there uh, have learned that many of those students actually received interview requests uh, as a direct result of the job fair. So happy to see that and uh, yeah, so, and we knew one one gentleman was there, absolutely great story. He walked in to check in. He was he was working for a company, and he said, you know, I attended this last year, and now here I am back here trying to hire people to work That's with cool. me. And so that was a really cool story. Had several businesses that were making hires or interview uh, interview offers on the spot uh, during the day. So we'll be back in, uh, in the first week of October, first Wednesday of October, which I believe is the fourth. That's right. Mark your calendars, especially if you're an employer. Again, there were some uh, uh, great deals being made there, so want to point that out. Last but not least, we always try to put in a little bit of a happy positive spin in there. And this past week, there was a newly signed resolution proclaiming May as Bike Month in Arkansas. So those of you who like to get out and cycle, now you've got the weather to do it. So far, so good, at least. Let's get out there, try and enjoy our biking and, and the trails that are all across northwest Arkansas and the region. Uh, it's now made official. So Well, I, I learned at the Chamber's legislative breakfast uh, on Friday that bicycling is now the official state sport of Arkansas, thanks to some letters that third graders wrote to legislators. Oh, there you go. So see, yeah, <laughs> the legislative process works. It's there. 
<laughs> so, all right. Well, let's go ahead and start talking about our topic. We've got some uh, esteemed guests here today. So, uh, again, we are very talk. We're talking about public education. It's a foundational aspect of society in America. You know, history throughout history, you're seeing public education for schools. Uh, they filled multiple roles. Uh, some are our outgrown. Uh, there's an outgrowth of why public schools came into being and how they evolved, but Arkansas saw that start to emerge in the 1830s um, and doing civic leadership, doing, you know, obviously reading, writing, arithmetic, all that fun stuff oh, as yeah. well. Uh, and now it's just continued to grow as technology has developed and, uh, you know, just have kids learning more and more things uh, every single day. And so it continues in Northwest Arkansas. You know, as we discussed in our last episode, talking about workforce development initiatives, a lot of work is going on in the public school districts to help create create that next generation of workforce. So everything from general learning initiatives, extracurriculars, IEPs, which is individual education plans, career counseling, there's so many ways that public schools in our area are working to benefit the next generation. And we're, again, excited to have Dr. Perry and Dr. Davis here with us to talk about all the great things going on in Rogers. That's right. So welcome again. Thank you guys for joining us. This is, again, a great opportunity for us to get to ask you questions, me especially, you know, I have uh, uh, one of the things I've really loved about doing this podcast is getting to, to meet and, and talk with folks like you just to get some general information out there. Um, we we and... keep Nick locked up in his office a lot. We don't <laughs> let him interact with we the notice. public. We <laughs> notice. That's right. That's Get... right. I like to talk, and, and it just doesn't happen often enough. But the uh, uh, main thing that I was really excited about uh, bringing you guys in here is I never get to you know really hear directly from uh, the superintendents on stuff. Like I was telling you guys before we started recording, it's always interesting for me to get to hear direct from the source on uh, different things that are happening. Uh, I know, uh, Dr. Perry, that you uh, just kind of came in from uh, another school district to, to kind of join the Northwest Arkansas family of superintendents and have been doing a lot uh, to, to bring your experience to, to bear there. Um, but first, before we get into that, Ken, I'd love to just allow you guys to educate us a little bit more about your roles with Rogers Public Schools and what you do as it pertains to being advocates for RPS uh, in the public and in the sphere of public education. Okay. As superintendent of schools, I'd be the chief executive officer for mm -hmm. the district. So I would run, be responsible for everything. And it seems like I am responsible for everything that goes wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and then I do try to give credit for everything that goes right in that. But I think one of the important things, when I go out to elementary schools and people introduce me as superintendent, trying to explain to a fifth grader what superintendent is, mm -hmm. it's a little difficult sometimes. And so the thing that I talk to them about is that you know your principal and that he or she is principal of your school, and I would kind of be like the principal of all the schools. So principal is responsible for making sure that that school runs efficiently, that it's safe, that it has all the resources to be successful. And as superintendent, I have that same responsibility. So I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of quality individuals there at the central office that helped me do that. But we'd be in charge of making sure that the buses run on time, that the cafeteria works, that the extracurricular activities are available and safe and that we have that high quality of instruction that takes place. And one of the individuals that I depend on more than anybody else in the entire division is this uh, individual to my left here. Ms. Davis has been a super individual. He takes care of a lot of the daily operations of the school and certainly I would not be able to do any of this without him. So, so kind of like to keep that analogy, CEO, COO, uh, kind of, the, the operations officer? We go with whatever title you want to give us. <laughs> we won't change the pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you uh, go. There you go. He can have whatever title he wants. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I said that the other day to somebody. They were talking like, oh, you're senior vice president? Like, yeah, I'm title rich, but authority poor, man. So. <laughs> 
Well, th thanks for the kind words, Dr. Perry, and thank you for having me. Jim Davis, I'm the, currently I'm the assistant superintendent for secondary schools, and next year I'll be transitioning to assistant superintendent for teaching and learning. Mm. Uh, that's K-12, and so my roles change a little bit through our reorg. And so my responsibility, as Dr. Perry is talking about how we lead the principals, uh, my job is to serve our principals and to serve our directors so that they can be as, as effective as possible in the school. And so our job is to give them those resources and to give them the opportunity to have that thought partner um, because education is complicated. Um, you know, if you're an elementary principal, you might have three to 400 kids. Mm -hmm. A middle school have a thousand. Our secondary schools are over 2,000 kids. And so not only are you serving the, the kids on your campus, but you're serving their families as well. Right. And so my my ultimate goal is to, to make sure we don't have problems, um, but more importantly is for us to find the good, which there's more good than there is problems in our schools, and to serve those buildings so they can be successful. Yeah, I can't imagine. I had 80 people in my graduating class, and that was a record. So. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, so, <laughs> so uh, among the whole school district, I mean, how many students are you looking at? How many teachers? What's what are some numbers you can throw out there just to kind well, of and then even the support staff <clears throat> yeah. that now, goes along with that. I think one of the things that we try to kind of help people to understand the complexity of what we're dealing with is that we would have sixteen thousand students. Wow, we've got over two thousand employees if you count all the full time and 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 with that, if you think of Rogers, it's probably seventy thousand people. Mm -hmm. So a quarter, twenty five percent of the entire population. The city comes into our schools every single day. Wow. And we provide a food service program. We provide transportation that we provide security, educational, uh, extracurricular opportunities. And so I think what a lot of people fail to understand is that we're running a fairly major city yeah. every mm -hmm. single oh, day yeah. with kids ranging from severe uh, mental disorders or severe uh learning disabilities to those that are the brightest that's going to go to some of our Ivy League schools. And so in that whole spectrum, we're responsible for that every single day. And our doors are open, to whereas some others, you can be selective on who you hire, who mm -hmm. you allow to come in, who has access to your facility. With us, we're open to everybody. So on every single day, we've got nearly 25% of this entire citizenry coming into our schools and if you throw in the parents we're well over half to two-thirds of the entire population of this city is, is I, touched I had by never us. put it kind of in yeah. percentages before but yeah doing that really kind of helps you grasp the enormity of an entire public school system and especially when you you lay that on top of uh, Northwest Arkansas as a region yeah and all of the people you know it's not like Rogers is is this microcosm that has you know acres and acres of, of land surrounding. I mean, we're all, uh, Northwest Arkansas in general is kind of layered on top of it. I know Lowell also feeds into the Rogers Public School system, uh, system as well. And so, and then, yeah, you just cross the highway. And I know that we've got all the uh, uh, areas that are up around where um, Shadow Valley and those parks kind of intertwine and whatnot. So there's a lot of stuff uh, with the surrounding school districts too that I'm sure just the sheer enormity of it is definitely something that probably causes a few gray hairs to pop up every now and then, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. when you talk about having to serve uh, all those parents and, and that entire group while also dealing with the the traffic and the weather and the different, you know, uh, businesses and, and community uh, regulations that are around there, I'm sure that's that's 
a lot to have to keep up with. So, and one of the things that we'd like to point out in that situation, you know, is that we bring 25% of the population to our schools every single day. And I know that in light of a lot of the horrific accidents and events that have happened mm -hmm. in the United States that people are concerned about safety. And while those do happen and while they can be very traumatic and horrific, at the same point in time, we have a, a very strong track record of keeping staff and students safe. Mm -hmm. That we have several procedures in place, several of those are redundant. Now I do know that any single day, anything could happen in any one of our schools. But at the same point in time, we bring this entire population to our schools and we've not really had any major incidents that involved, you know, safety mm -hmm. or, or uh, injuries to anyone. And so, and when you think about that, you feed 16,000 students that you transport them on yeah. roads oh, yeah. during inclement weather, that you let them play basketball, football, gymnastics, yeah. uh, cheerleading, all of those things. Of all the things that could go wrong, we have redundant safety features. And so... One of the things that we would like to point out, we're still the safest place to be in the entire country, is that a public school on a bus, you're safer than any other form of transportation within our schools. You're you're safer than in about any other place you could be. Yeah, that, that is a great point to make. I mean, especially because we have had stories, you know, national stories uh, of incidents in schools. But, you know, I, I can't recall ever hearing. I mean, I've lived here since the year 2000. I, I don't recall ever hearing about an incident like that uh, in, in northwest Arkansas, let alone just Rogers. And we don't let the lack of problems in the past dictate what we do yeah, in the yeah. future. And so we try to be very vigilant in that about making sure that nothing does happen. But we... And, and just recently with the shooting that happened mm -hmm. there in the mall, that, again, raises a great deal of concern among people. But trying to get that message out that that we are one of the safest places that you can be. And yeah. you're, not, you're not resting on your laurels. So you, Certainly. You, you take all of these uh, incidents and whatnot, and it's not something where you just, you know, shrug it off. I mean, you all are definitely trying to stay on top of all of the stuff that's out there and—, and maintain a level of uh, responsibility regardless of, uh, like you said, historical precedent within the district, which right. I think is really important just to kind of point out to people that that you all, uh, you know, we it affects everything when it happens nationally, and you all are paying attention to that, which I think is really important. Well, I think, Nick, the, the part that Dr. Perry's talking about is the working relationship with the chamber and our business mm -hmm. partners. Um, the, the families in our community, they expect us to transport their kids. Right. We expect them to be to be fed when they get to school. And so the one thing we learned through COVID is it really exposed our community what all the public school district does. And, and, and there are families that rely on us to feed them, to right. transport them, to educate them, to counsel them. And so that's why it's very important as we build these partnerships that with the chamber and um, not only with the chamber, but also with our local law enforcement, our fire department, our local um, medical staff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the public school system is connected to everything that's in the community. Yeah, no, absolutely. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions you think that are out there right now? Like when we talk about um, public education as a whole, this doesn't just necessarily deal with, with here locally, but just in general, some of the stuff, that, the information that you guys have seen, we're, we've touched a little bit on, on the fact that you all are trying to stay ahead of, of the curve when it comes to safety and whatnot, but are there any other uh, misconceptions that are out there that, 
you know, let's set the record straight on that, that you guys are, are definitely paying attention to? Well, I think that there's several things that are concerning to us out there in the general public, because uh, a lot of folks, and you saw some of the current legislation that was created, and there was a lot of numbers that were thrown out about that, that some of our public schools, you know, have failed some of those situations. But if you look at all the factual information, which I know is not exciting, but if you actually look at the facts. I'm, I'm a numbers nerd, um, so I get it. <laughs> well, I've often told people that if you want the true accurate information, visit our website. It may not be as entertaining and as fun, mm -hmm. but it will be accurate. Right. And so I think some of the things that are out there is that charter schools and some of that nature, they don't outperform public schools. It, it's very clear on the data if you look at that. There's some of the public schools uh, or some of the charter schools that do have uh, a very good program and would be a great option for some parents, but really public schools have always been the great equalizer in this country. Mm -hmm. And they are the institution that can give a kid that has no chance that chance of success. And so every single day we take every student, regardless of their academic level or social uh, or mental uh, issues and, and we work with those kids and, and we help them be successful. And so uh, I do think that public schools are, are thriving, that certainly there's some challenges. And, and if you look at some of the things that, that recently some of our state legislators talked about was that they were looking at the reading level mm -hmm. and the, the poor performance of the state on that. And if you look at the measurement of that developed that, that was from ACT Aspire, Aspire mm -hmm. which is a predictor of a student's performance on ACT, not on reading level. Right. right. And also that particular test was not aligned to the standards. <laughs> and and there's, nobody, there's nobody that would argue that it was. Right. And so here you have a test that's not aligned to the standards that were required by law to teach, yet it's going to test and teachers and principals, superintendents are held accountable on that. So if you look at some of the real successes that we're having academically, you can see that every single year, we're sending kids to the best schools in this nation, that we're gonna have the scholarship uh, ceremonies here over the next couple of days. Mm -hmm. And we, our kids will receive millions of dollars of scholarships from some of the, the most elite places in the country. And so I do think that Public schools are safe. Public schools are very effective. And I think especially here in the Rogers public school system, we offer, I think, an incredible opportunity and we are the best choice. Yeah. Well, and, and not just the academic success, but you also look at the number of students that are finishing these CTE programs and going right into the workforce as well. Um, you know, that's just that's a testament to, to the launch program and, and everything that the Rogers Learning Academy and all, all the programs that you guys have. And we're very instrumental in helping get some positive workforce legislation pushed through this last session. That was a direct result of conversations we had with legislators standing in the parking lot uh, of Heritage High School. Absolutely. And the, those are great partnerships. And Dr. Perry is exactly right. I mean, we a lot of time in public education, we look at what we're not doing. Um, but there is a lot, a lot of things that we are, just as Steve said, with CTE, all the programs that we have, we're offering industry certifications. We have what we talk, call concentrators and completers. But also one of the great highlights is meeting the need of the high academic kid. Mm -hmm. In our district, we have what we call the Rogers Honors Academy. And in that program, we basically, we coach and we counsel students um, and their parents 
of how they go through the the application process for for colleges and universities. Wow! And as Dr. Perry said, part of that process um, in the next couple of nights, each of our high schools, our comprehensive high schools, they'll award over ten ten million dollars of scholarships. Wow! At each of our buildings, That's and so crazy. we're we we know that um, what our staff on our, in our buildings they're doing a phenomenal job, and the quality of education they're getting is phenomenal. And, and that's just not from the high school. The high school gets the capstone experience. It begins in kindergarten. It begins in preschool. Mm-hmm. And so Rogers Public Schools has very high expectations academically of what we expect of our kids and what they are to learn. But our teachers work extremely hard to get our kids prepared, and that's why kids are earning you know, millions of dollars of scholarships and going to universities all over the country. Yeah, they didn't just magically get a 4.0 in their senior year and get to all these offers. I mean, that started down in the kindergarten level yeah. and has been going through the whole time. So, yeah. Well, and, and kind of piggybacking off of that, too, on top of just the scholarships, uh, when I was doing some of the research for questions to ask and things to kind of look at when it comes to public education, uh, I think it's it really is kind of important to talk about the um, programs you all have set up to just allow a level of achievement upon graduation that you couldn't get even just 15, 20 years ago, like the certifications that you're talking about right now, we're allowing kids to essentially graduate and go immediately into a workforce and start earning money and helping families out and, and doing things that just no one talked about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you guys have continued to add programs like that as well that have really brought some uh, 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 some of that American dream talk back to, to different areas around the, the uh, region and and things that I think are, are really fantastic to brag about. Um, you also have some of the highest level of achievement in the elementary schools in the area. I know Janie Dar was just recognized as, as one of the top 10 uh, in the region, let alone in the country, as one of the uh, best elementary schools that we have out there. Um, you also have consistently, since I've been here, and Steve and I have had to advertise, you know, the the public school system to people outside of the state and make sure that they recognize some of the stuff that you guys are doing have consistently had several of your schools in the top 10 programs in the state and uh, gotten some accolades that way. When you talk about uh, bringing those kinds of resources to the uh, folks that you mentioned, where it's everyone from uh, the low income families to folks with disabilities to uh, the highest achievers, what is working in that kind of environment do for you personally? And what, what makes you proud to be the superintendent and uh, the folks working in that front office to represent? I mean, what what are those things there that you just want to brag about and and just showcase that you're proud of? Well, I think one of the first things that I would say, and it goes back to something that you talked about. I think the the one of the things that we're proud of is that we've been talking about having a purpose-driven curriculum mm. of that what is the purpose of education? And for a lot of our students, when they pick courses, and this is true nationwide if you look at surveys, the number one reason why a kid will pick a class is because their friend is in that class. Right. Number two reason is because they like a teacher. And number three, it's because it's easy. So <laughs> when you finally get down to that fourth reason, it's I need this class to be successful after high school. Right. But that's not in the top three. And so what we're trying to change is that whole attitude and philosophy of, of having students understand that this K through 12 experience, these 13 years, you can leave with those degrees, with those certifications, with that licensure. You could graduate from uh, NWAC mm-hmm. if you wanted to and have that associate's degree before you even graduate from high school. 
And so wherever you are along that continuum, what we're trying to do is prepare kids for success after high school, whether it's going to the military, whether it's going straight to work, whether it's going to a major school or going to a two-year school, whatever that would be, but having that purpose-driven curriculum so that we have that purpose in mind about we just don't want you just to wander through high school without any idea of what you're going to be. Now, we understand no 18-year-old or seven or very few 17- and 18-year-olds know what they're going to be, but I do think it's important to begin to understand what you don't want to be and some of the things that you love doing and some of the things that you hate doing. I love working with people. I hate working with people. I, I love working with numbers. I hate working with numbers. And if we can begin to isolate and begin to identify some of those things that make you fulfilled as an individual, then we can better direct you toward what those educational certifications are going to be. And so I think with a lot of the work that we've done in our CTE program, a lot of the work we've done in our gifted program, and just in general education, we're helping kids to better understand that. Because one of the things that we have to understand is that we are no longer competing with a kid sitting next to, to you in a classroom. We're competing worldwide now. Mm -hmm. I think what the pandemic showed us is that we're a global nation. A lot of things now can be done globally. And I heard a statistic one time that, that the top 10% of the brightest kids in India is greater than all of our kids put together. Wow. So if you just, if you kind of think about it, that if India, their top 10% of the kids is greater in number than all of our kids put together, we're just not competing with this person sitting to my right in algebra class. Right. We're competing with everybody. And we want a good balance so that we don't stress students out. But at the same point in time, we want them to understand that we need to work hard to prepare yourself so that you can work easier Yeah. once you graduate from high school. Well, and, and along with that, it sounds like you kind of need to be almost like a little bit of a, a futurist to, to see where the trends are coming. I mean, you, we're talking about this graduating class that's coming up. When they start a kindergarten, apps weren't a thing. iPhones weren't a thing. And now you have app development classes and things like that. So you're, as, you're, as you're doing that purpose-driven curriculum, you guys got to make sure that you're trying to stay ahead of the curve a little bit to make sure that our kids don't fall behind. You know, in trying to determine, I know Ms. Davis has got some, some kindergarten students right or children right now. <laughs> so I'm sure that's probably on his mind. But if you could think, just as you talked about, in 12 years, when these, when his children graduate, that what is this world going to be like? The amount of information that has changed just in the last four or five years mm -hmm. has been incredible. And to try to determine, you know, we've had some conversations before, uh, in, in, in a, and I say this in a kind of a joking way, but almost in not, is that do we really expect that any of our students will turn in a lot of handwritten stuff in the next 15 years? No. Um, would spelling be as critical with all the autocorrects and, and different things that we do? Mm -hmm. And so everything that we do, we got to dedicate a part of the school day, the six and a half hours that we've got instruction. So we've got to dedicate part to that spelling, to handwriting, to a lot of different things. And if we try to look in the future, what would those things be that are most critical to their success? Because if you ask a lot of people, 
learning to read and write was important. Yes. Very important. But the skill that I use more than anything else right now on a day-to-day basis probably is keyboarding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That if I had not learned to type while I was in high school, that would put me at a severe disadvantage. And so what are those things in the future going to be? Yeah. What are the classes you want to make sure that they get? And what are the classes that you don't want them talking about in 20 years as the next cursive? Exactly. <laughs> well, both both of both of you gentlemen talked about having children, and yeah. so um, I think as an educator, when you have kids of your own, which all of us do, you you think about how are they going to be successful when they when they move out, and and those things that Dr. Perry was referring to, um, we know that they need to be able to work with people, mm-hmm. and so in our education environment, they have to be able to collaborate, they have to have interaction, they have to, they have to work with adults with their peers. But also, we want to be critical thinkers. We want to be problem solvers, mm-hmm. and and so how do we how do we get them to interact with people, critical think, and problem solve? Is we give them programs that are going to engage them. And so, for example, in our CTE program, we have automotive. Well, automotive is not turning a wrench. That's a very small portion of it. Automotive is learning to problem solve mm-hmm. and to analyze graphs and and charts. And why do we have drones? Because because it's not the future. It's not because Walmart has it in their parking lot. It's because it's going to help them work as a team, critical think, and problem solve. Um, because I've I've got three older kids and I got four younger ones, and I believe my three older kids are successful as adults because of those three things that they learned in school. It, I mean, the English class was great, the math class was great, science was f- phenomenal, but it was the experience in those courses. Um, to help them really critical think, problem solve, and to interact and work with others. Because I believe if we can do that, I think we know what kind of employees we're looking for. Right. And usually those oh, are yeah. the type of employees. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, that, the, the employers, what they're looking for, they're looking for those soft skills. They're, they're looking for communication, teamwork, problem solving. I mean, that's number one, two, three. The, the job skills can be taught. So it's we're looking for things, the same. Exactly. <laughs> those things are, are the challenge there. So we've talked a bit too about how uh, the public education system is is constantly evolving and you all are are staying ahead of the curve with that and definitely trying to uh, engage with as many folks as possible to to make as many uh, kids successful as possible what do you say to the parents what what do you do to to just help parents be engaged and work with you as opposed to against you i think a lot of things that we do want that partnership because we realize that we have students for a small part of the day and then what we have done during the day can be erased or it can be strengthened as those kids go home. And so we do ask folks to communicate with us and, and to let us know when there's issues so that we can help resolve those issues. We always want that to be in a constructive, positive kind of yeah. feedback. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with that, if, if folks can reach out to us. And the other thing that I would say just in, 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 in light of some of the earlier conversation we had is I don't think that parents take the time really, and I say this on my own, uh, of raising a daughter, about sitting down and talking to kids about what do you actually want to do? What, what is this education experience for right now? What are you going to do after high school? And I know that when you have that conversation with a lot of students right now, that I don't know kind of response would come in. But if parents could begin, could begin to have those conversations and talk to their kids about what are their plans, what are the future, so that then we can really create that partnership 
to make them be successful because I don't know if this statistic is still true, but I know that at, when I was superintendent in Tennessee, it was a 70-20-10 rule that 70% of the jobs out there are going to require a high school diploma, mm-hmm. nothing more. 20% of the jobs would require some type of technical school or two-year degree, and only 10% had that four-year college requirement. And so to have a conversation with parents about what or conversation with parents with their students, their children, Mm -hmm. about what do you actually want to do and how could we put you in the best spot to be successful? And so those kind of situations in which if, if, if parents could talk with students and then also... Uh, learn to just let students struggle a little bit. Um, there's this new concept called lawnmower parents. Yes, I was about to say that. And, and and for those that don't know, that lawnmower parent goes out in front of the kid and will mow down every single obstacle that the kid has. And we had this conversation with some students at one point in time. And this very successful young lady, beautiful young lady, captain of the volleyball team, captain of the cheerleading team, Valley Victoria and all these kind of things, she was so worried that if she ever hit something that was hard and oppositional, she couldn't get up. Mm. That she was concerned that her mom, who loved her very much, had had done away with all of the struggle mm-hmm. so that she didn't have to do that. But now she was in a point that she was worried that when I do hit that wall, I'm not going to have the resolve, the character, the perseverance to get over that wall. And so I think it is important that parents have that balance, too, yeah. of understanding when to push your kid and not push them over, um, when to expect and when your expectations are too high. Because I do think we are seeing a record number of mental disorders in this country. Before mm-hmm. the pandemic, I believe the number was 25% of everybody in America was going to have some type of diagnosable mental disorder. Wow. So that means one of us here today, one <laughs> of the four, four of four us. people in the room. Uh, and me. It's me. Well, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> are well, we drawing straws or are we just going to throw our names into that? Well, it house? depends no. if we get to take medication or yeah, not. And then, uh, but in all seriousness, what we've seen is a record number of students with some social-emotional issues coming back to us after the pandemic. And, and I think part of that is parents sheltering kids from all the evil that could happen in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in time, you know, that struggle is kind of what makes people stronger and, and have that resilience. And so finding that balance between when to allow a kid to struggle just a little bit as opposed to always jumping in and helping. Well, and, and something, and this comes from having um, a wife who's a teacher. Something I think that that is good there too. You can fall back a little bit on the the open communication with your child's teachers as well as your child's counselors. They're there for a reason, and they've you know uh, they are I think in most cases willing to try and tag team some of that stuff. If your if your kids having issues with a subject in school or anything like that, I don't know a single teacher that would say, "Nah, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm off the clock. We're right. we're you know like." Uh, I know you all want all of these students to succeed. So I would, you know, just to piggyback off of that, say that open communication channel there, especially when it's constructive and you're both trying to 
go at it from the perspective of I just want my kid to succeed without mowing down all of the opposition there. If you have that mindset, I think that'll benefit things just exponentially. Well, Nick, it's um, a lot of times in education we forget. I mean, this is serious people business. Yeah. And we're we're working with, you know, the uh, people's kids. And and so learning to communicate, learning to work with our stakeholders, with our parent to bring that partnership in. Um, our kids' success, uh, it relies on parent parental involvement. And we, we have phenomenal parental involvement um, all the way from our elementaries, middle school and high schools, from our PTOs to our booster clubs, um, volunteering um, hours that take place. But when you talk about that open communication, um, it's we are in people business. And so we, we have to utilize this as an opportunity to get better. And it's not that we're getting critiqued. And as educators, we, we, hear, we, we have everybody's opinion. And, and, and that's, we, we have to live with that because that's our job and that's our responsibility. But the successful leaders that we have in our school district, those that are thriving, they have the ability to bring the parents alongside them to be successful. And, and that's also not just saying come and, come and volunteer, come and help, but also here are the expectations we have in our building. This is what we expect out of you as a parent. We expect out of you as a student, but also you can expect this out of me as your as your child's principal. Right. And and those are the ones that I really believe are the different. I mean, are truly making a huge difference in their each of their buildings. Oh yeah, something that's really big, especially with uh, next gen folks, is uh, diversity. And Rogers Public Schools is one of the most diverse in the country, let alone the state. Um, I know Rogers High School. I think the last numbers I saw were. Almost 60% of Rogers High School were students from a diverse background. So it was a majority-minority uh, setup. When you all are looking at, um, again, this goes into uh, serving students from different backgrounds um, and different levels of attainment, but now also you're talking about uh, different languages. We've talked before about how many languages are spoken in Rogers Public Schools. When you all are having to uh, give service to that diverse of a crowd, what stands out? What's something that folks should just know about the amount of groups and amount of families that you're working with on a day-to-day basis that don't look just like everybody else. I think that one of our strengths is that we are diverse in this count. I think that we have a wide range of students that's that's going to be reflective of this country. And so if you live in a more isolated, a more synthetic kind of environment where you don't have that diversity, and that's all that your educational background centers around. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a real rough time, I think, uh, interacting with other people. And so I think one of the common misconceptions that are had out there is that that some of our students struggle and, you know, in that diverse background, they struggle academically and socially. And, and we just recently uh, honored our 10 highest performing academic kids in middle school. Mm -hmm. So in our middle school scholars banquet. And in that particular one, uh, a large number of our top performing students were Hispanic. Mm. And so some of our Hispanic students are at the top of the class. I've got a student leadership group that uh, we take some of the seniors that are some of the leaders within the school and those particular students are on a superintendent's advisory council. Um, just the other day, we met for our final final meeting and had some conversations. And two of those students that are some of our top performers 
started out with us in kindergarten having no English skills whatsoever. Wow. So over 13 years, you know, they've been able to develop those skills. Not only did they learn a language, Mm -hmm. not only did they learn the academics equal to any other kid in the school, but these kids actually developed the social skills that they ended up being the leaders within the school. And so I think what that would kind of show to us that if you give students a chance, a legitimate chance, then even a student who you would consider to be poor, not have a any kind of English language skills whatsoever, and coming from a parent that was totally disconnected from the rest of this community with that low economic status that nor- normally has a, a variety of features against it. Mm-hmm. So those particular kids with every strike against them end up being some of the leaders within our school. And so I think... Our schools are stronger because we've got that diversity. I think the interaction and the the difference that that they bring to our school, because a lot of people like to think that this this country is homogeneous and it's not. No, you it know, never has been. We started out. Now the melting pot may be a little less hot these days <laughs> to, to 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 melt everything together, but we. I think survived as a nation because we had people from every country in the world come to America because it was a place of hopes and dreams. And if you look at some of the most major contributions, whether it was economically, socially, medically, politically, mm-hmm. all of those came from another country. And that that's what we were. We were a mix of a lot of different people to make the term American, but it was, and and I think our school is a little reflective of that, that we've got a lot of students who bring a lot of great attributes who want to do the right thing. And with a little bit of help, they can be successful and they're going to be the ones Mm -hmm. that will out there actually be leading and and developing this country. I think, I think something's important as echoing what Dr. Perry said as we look at our diverse community, I mean, we're 52% Latino, but one of the things that we learned coming out of COVID is is as we go into our hiring season, um, we really want to find the Latino educator um, that can come into our school district that understands the culture, right. that has the ability to relate to the family. And one of the things we did out of COVID is we created what we call the student success coordinators. Mm -hmm. And these individuals are some of our um, highest performing employees in the district. And basically their job is to be a student advocate. And they are to do house visits. They are to do learning walks with families um, because it all comes together. All the things that we've been talking about, we're bringing the family in. um, But also we have to have those employees that have an instant connection. Um, they understand the culture. They speak the language um, so that we can serve all students because that's what our mission's about. It's about yeah. it's about all students belong. Yeah. All students learn. All students are successful. Well, if we're going to do that, we, we have to improve our hiring practices as well. Yeah. Well, and in that community specifically, you know, the Hispanic and Latino community, family is just such a core component of, of their being. And so being able to have the school interact with the family and the parents, I mean, that's just – that just shows how much you guys care and you understand where they're coming from as well and just being open, open and inviting 
um, even if there are language barriers or, or things like that, you still find a way to, to, to break through. And our, our Marshallese community as yeah, well. Very large Marshallese and, community. Um, yeah. we, we have very strong relationship with the, the local pastors of the Marshallese community. Great. And um, they, they are a great partner. And I think about a week ago, we had a family night for our Marshallese community and um, is very well attended. And so awesome. it's, it's important for us. We love the diversity yeah. of our district, and that's what makes Rogers pretty special. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, you know, we're about to melt because our, our podcast room doesn't have air conditioning. It is, it so is getting warm up here, yeah. You know, the conversation is heating up, <laughs> as it were. Uh, before we get to our closing, any final thoughts that either of y'all would like to say to the audience just uh, as a, a final farewell on, on public education and, and whatnot for, for folks to consider moving forward? Jimmy, you want to turn in our follow-up? You bet. No. Um, well, it goes back to our mission. Rogers Public Schools is about all students. Um, all students are going to find a place to belong. And that, that place and belong is when you walk in the door, um, it could be someone that could speak the same language as you. It could be someone that we could put you in the right academic environment, the, the right extracurricular uh, environment. But it's not only belonging. We, our staff, we want all kids to learn. And all kids are going to learn. It depends on what they're walking into and the level that they're at, um, um, because not only are we performing um, the academic need of a student that is learning um, English for the very first time, but also we have a very strong advanced placement program in Rogers Public Schools. Rogers Public School has one of the highest participation rate in the country with advanced placement. Mm -hmm. And and so we're very proud of that, that high achievement. And then also is just, we want kids to be successful. And I think our, our track record is that um, when you go to our scholarship ceremony, the, the next you know six, seven days, you'll see the success as they walk across stage. And um, we, we love our teachers. We appreciate our staff, all the work that they do and our administrators, but also our community and, and our parental involvement. That's what makes it come together. And, and it's education is a daily improvement process. We're either improving or we're moving backwards. And Roger Public Schools is always moving forward. And so I'm just very fortunate to be serving here. Well, this is my 37th year in public school education. Wow. I'm finishing up my 18th year as, as a district superintendent. He I started did. when he was 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different states. He, uh, he was that 1% that graduated yeah, at 18 that's going, right. I'm going to be that's a right. superintendent. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish that were the case. but uh, And I've, I've shared this story with, with several folks, but my mom raised four students by herself. Mm -hmm. And our dad left us when I was young with no child support or alimony or any of those kind of things. She worked three different jobs. And actually I had a high school teacher encourage me to go to college and she actually paid for my first semester wow. of going into college. So, you know, when you talk about people being committed, there's a different level of commitment mm -hmm. among that kind of thing. But as I reflected back on that, I think these last 37 38 years has just been a feeble attempt to pay back mm -hmm. those individuals who made me successful because I was clearly one of those individuals. Come from a broken home, come from a very poor family. My mom dropped out of school when she was in the uh, sixth grade. My sister dropped out of school when she was in high school. And so, you know, that whole educational thing um, was, was not strongly uh, enforced at the house. Uh, had a situation in which arrested, you know, when I was in high school. And when you're 18 and you actually know what expunged from your record means, mm. you know, that, that is something. And so, but I think it was, it was those kind of things that I look back with 
the absence of a a couple of people in the church, but then everybody else. It was a coach and it was a teacher. Public schools, teachers, the crowds that, that you've got that um, help bring students up through public schools are phenomenal. And the work that you all are doing is extraordinary to ensure that as many people as possible have the same kind of opportunities that you're talking about. And I just, yeah, I wanna uh, thank you both for helping participate uh, today and, and to spread some of the news about that kind of stuff. I know you guys gotta get out of here, plus again, we're, we're melting, so I don't wanna <laughs> put this up here too long. Uh, but y'all, uh, thank you again, just for yeah. being here. We really appreciate you. And yeah, can't wait to uh, uh, shout out some more stuff later and, and go from there. Steve, you have any final thoughts for our panelists? No, just I do truly appreciate it. We love working with the with Rogers Public Schools as a chamber. Just we we understand the importance that education plays in shaping our community's future and the investments that you guys make and, and everything that, uh, the way that you give of your your time and talent uh, to serve these kids. It's just it, it's inspiring and, and truly appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And, and as I mentioned before, I've never seen a chamber work as well with the school district as this one does. Well, that, I've been in four different states, yeah. and, and it is intentional. Mm -hmm. You know that, that there is a intent, and there's also that passion for the school because we firmly believe that if our community and our businesses thrive, we're going to thrive. That brings greater tax base to us. It brings more students to us. It brings those particular, you know, groups of people that we love to see. And so we very much appreciate what the chambers do. And and then also uh, those gifts that you guys give away at the beginning of the year. Uh, thank you, teacher our, celebration. Our yeah. teachers love that. And, and, <laughs> and just another piece that we're doing this year, just so that folks know, is that when we get through with that, then after that, we're bringing our classified group in and we're doing something for them too. So awesome. we want to make sure yeah. that our, our bus drivers, our cafeteria folks, all of those people understand some days you're as important yeah. as anybody else oh, within absolutely. the school because those people play an important role. So, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. It thank has you been. for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for being here. We really do appreciate it. We are. Uh, we do want to thank uh, Dr. Dr. Jeff Perry and Dr. Jim Davis with the Rogers Public School District for joining us on today's Chamber Voice of Business podcast. They had to get out of here, so we're doing this wrapping up here. Just, well, uh, just you and me. It so, graduation week it, for just a, bunch a little of things. So you know, got, just, a, got just some stuff going, going on. on you know, yeah, things like that. But yes, it was fantastic having them on here again. It's just. It's phenomenal for us to get to work with such a wonderful public school district as mm -hmm. Rogers Public Schools. Uh, Steve, I know you do a lot of work with them and, and folks like Don Stewart over there and workforce development as well and as just being, Ross uh, with all of his programs, yes. Giovanni and Mariana with the, the lead program, the lead program, some of our D Katie and the scholarships. That right yeah. That's right. Katie and our finance team doing the, the uh, community based scholarship program. Uh, so, yes, it's it's a fantastic thing for us to get to work with such a dedicated uh, public school system. So can't thank them enough for, for participating today. Hopefully we've helped you all out uh, listening just to showcase how dedicated uh, the whole uh, system is all the way up to the top. Um, you've got uh, everyone here that is really, truly dedicated to uh, advancing uh, our whole community yes. from the bottom up, kindergarten through. We, we are uh, literally building the future of our community. That's right. And they are wholly dedicated to every aspect of that future. I think that's really kind of the yeah. key that we want to, to get across there. I want to encourage everyone to like, subscribe, and share uh, the podcast. 
via SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube, and social media. We'll make sure uh, to get these guys. We were joking with them about uh, getting them on TikTok later. Not sure that's going to happen, but hey, at the very <laughs> least, we we uh, made sure that they were aware. That I think I should get, get one first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know what this TikTok thing is yeah, about. Yeah, what, what, them, what them kids are doing. <laughs> I also would love to tease our next episode. Uh, this should be coming out on the 17th. We're actually going to be taking next week off uh, to get back to our regular um, schedule. But then on May 31st, we are going to have a special... Uh, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage episode where we're going to be bringing in uh, some groups uh, or some folks from those groups here in our Northwest Arkansas community. We actually have some great people that we're going to be uh, interviewing and just talking about um, the the groups that uh, are doing business in Northwest Arkansas and, and living and working here that, that fall into that category. We think it's, it's great to kind of showcase one of the expanding diverse groups uh, that uh, we mentioned today on the on the podcast. Well, not so. not just Marshallese. I mean, we have the second light, highest concentration of Marshall, Marshallese people outside of the Marshall Islands, but also our fastest growing minority demographic is Indian and Pakistani. That's right. So we're seeing right. a lot of those, a lot of people coming in from from other parts of the world. So you know, those those groups are are getting more and more of a presence here in Northwest Arkansas. Oh, yeah. It's All it's it's great is, that we can uh, recognize them. There's you know, Parks and Rec now is getting a cricket league going and stuff like that. Yes, and that's directly reflective <laughs> of what we're trying to do here in Northwest Arkansas. Arkansas in general. So, um, so yeah, thank you all again. I'm going to toss it back to you, Steve, to do our, our sponsor. Our, our, our Visit Rogers episode, we, we highlighted Monster. Haven't heard from him. So we, <laughs> we talked about Pepsi this week. We'll see what happens. Just saying. So you're just going to, you know, bring a different beverage in each time. I see how you're working. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to start working through, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, exactly. eventually, I'm sure one of them is going to pick us up. Well, right? when, we get, when we do get cameras, there, there will be labels out. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> We need to be careful. That's how we're going to wind up with something really off the wall. That is true. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And this is uh, the Rogers Lowell Chamber Voice of Business Podcast signing off.